Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Turn your attention to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. And the last time I spoke, it wasn't a short time later, we entered a pandemic, and I hope that that isn't going to happen again. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Yes, I rebuke that. All right, maybe I'm, I'm the end of the pandemic. That's what I'm hoping. So, Luke 24, 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. I'll take my scars. I'll take my scars. I want to pray for you before you're seated. Lord, we pray that your word would go forth today with power. There would be liberty in this place. Your spirit would come in a mighty way and do as only you can do when you sent your word. Lord, you brought healing, you brought strength, and I pray your word would not fall to the ground, but it would accomplish everything you've sent it to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we just celebrated Passion Week. And we know the story. Jesus comes out of that tomb. Are you thankful for resurrection? Jesus comes out of the tomb. And he makes an appearance to his disciples. And some were struggling with the fact that Jesus was still alive. They wanted to believe, no doubt. But the reality of it all was almost more than they could bear. They witnessed his death and the difficulty around it. And some doubted. There's a guy by the name of Doubting Thomas, who I do not appreciate that term because my name's Thomas, but not all Thomases are doubters. But this particular Thomas was a disciple of Jesus, but yet he had some struggles believing that Jesus had resurrected. And so Jesus appeared to disciples in different ways and in one particular Story. He appears in the room and he begins to tell them that it is he and they were struggling with it. And he says, behold, my hands and behold, my feet. And he shows them the the marks from the cross. And it's intriguing that this same Jesus who opened blind eyes, who unstopped deaf ears, who made the lame to walk, and even had the power to make the lepers completely whole. This same Jesus who had the power to come out of a tomb, he would choose to keep his scars. He could have done away with them. I don't believe that the lepers had the marks of leprosy. But for whatever reason, Jesus came out of the tomb and he chose 
to keep his scars. He could have wiped the trauma of the cross from his body, but he kept the reminder of the cross and he chose to keep his scars. And I offer that thought to you today. And I preach and encourage you and tell you, I'll keep my scars. Now we can ask the question, why did Jesus choose to keep his scars? And I would consider this thought because scars tell a story. Scars are a part of life. When you get a cut on your body, your skin begins to try to mend itself. And many times you might get a cut or, or a paper cut of some kind and your, your skin kind of repairs itself. And most often, a lot of times in those circumstances, the, the skin mends itself in a way where you never even knew that you were cut. But there are many times when we are cut and the skin tries to mend itself and tries to heal and yet it doesn't quite line up the way it should. And there's some protein fibers that get in that skin and it creates this mark on our body. It creates a scar. Does anybody have a scar on your body today? Yeah, we got a few. Scars are a part of life. I have a few personal scars that I'm proud of. See, centuries ago, warriors used to show off their scars. They used to show off how brave they were and the, the things that they got involved in and the, the, the swinging of the sword cut them and they wanted to show that off as a sign of bravery. So I have a few scars on my body today. I have one on my pinky finger here that I, that I got. My dad and mom started a church when I was three years old and and uh, it seemed like we were always in a building project. Most PKs, preachers, kids know that. You're always in, a, in a, a building project of some kind. And my friend and I were trying to avoid the work. So we were behind the building playing around. And my friend, quote unquote friend, pushed me down. And I fell on the back uh, on my hands on some glass. And I cut my finger. And I have a scar today. And I can tell you that story because that scar reminds me of that story. I've got some scars on my elbow from my days of wrestling. I was a great wrestler in Bible college. <laughs> and we would wrestle in the, I don't even know why we were wrestling, but I got a carpet burn so bad on my elbow and it didn't quite heal right. And I got a scar on my elbow. But the ones I'm most proud of are on my knees and I won't show them to you today. But they're on my knees. They're from playing softball. Anybody play softball? Love softball, sliding into bases, diving for balls. And my knees, for whatever reason, took the brunt of a lot of that. And I've got scars on my knees. Here's, the, here's what I know is that I could pass the mic around to, to many of you who would just love to tell your story about your scar. One of the Difficulties for me as a pastor is people love to show you their scars. They, that's just a part of it. You go into a hospital room to pray for them, and they want to show you. They don't want you to just pray. They want to show you what it looks like. 
get texts from people who want prayer. And I can't tell you, just in the last month, the things people have sent me to show me. I, I can pray. You can tell me. You just tell me. You don't have to show me. I can, I can pray. But we love to show off those wounds. And I wouldn't doubt that Jesus had a few scars on his body. He spent his years in the carpentry shop and probably had some scars from that time. He had some scars from probably walking hundreds of miles on foot. And no doubt that created some, some scars in his life. He spent time on boats and those kind of things. And there's no doubt that Jesus had other scars on his body. But when Jesus showed up in that room that day, he did not just show up and show them the scars from the carpentry shop. And he didn't show them the scars from walking thousands of miles on foot. He didn't show them the scars that he got from being in a boat. On that day, he had a very specific reason why he showed them his scars. And he showed them his hands and his feet. Because these scars did not tell just a, a story of mindless activity or a story of ordinary living. The story that these scars cre were created by were born on a horrific cross. Zechariah the prophet would prophesy about these wounds in Zechariah 1 verse chapter 13 verse 6 and he said and one will say to him what are these wounds between your arms then he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends you see these scars told a pretty specific story a story that was painful, a story of heartache and rejection, a story of being in a garden and being kissed by his friend. It was truly a kiss of death. He was scarred by being denied and forsaken by those that were closest to him, even one of his closest disciples named Peter. It was a story of shame. A story of being beaten, stripped naked, nailed to a cross and stabbed in his side. And the prophet Isaiah would prophesy about this shame in Isaiah 53. And he would say he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. When he showed up in that room that day, it wasn't to just show some ordinary scars, but it was a scar that was born from some horrific experiences, some moments of rejection and some moments of pain and some moments of trauma. And each one of us come in here today with lives that are full of some moments that we maybe tell or maybe others I would submit that we don't want to tell. Our lives are not just made up of physical wounds. We're not just made up of random moments of physical pain, but our lives are made up of moments of hurt and rejection, abuse and neglect 
and tragedy and disappointment and despair and anger and mistakes that we think about often and decisions that have left wounds on our lives. And too often, though, these wounds never heal. We want the pain to go away and we want the memory of it to go away. And so we tried to run from it. We tried to take the pain away without ever dealing with the wound. And so we avoid people and we avoid places. We try and get our mind off of it. We run to other relationships in all hopes of trying to wake up from some bad dream. Young people get engrossed in technology and, and cell phones and grown-ups get engrossed in all kinds of work and activities trying to get away from their past, get away from the things that had happened to them and get away and somehow lose or escape the memory and pretend like it never happened. But I want some of you to know today that number one, God said that he would heal us. He promised that he would heal us, but he never said that he would take the memory from us. And so we have to ask the question, why would he want us to hang on to some memory of pain and suffering? Why would he want us to hang on to some memory of a wound in our life? Well, we see the example of Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one who cleansed the lepers. The one who made the blind to see and the lame to walk. And the one who would rise from the tomb with all power in his hands. He would choose to keep a reminder. But why keep those scars? And simply today because not only do scars tell a story. But scars speak of healing. It speaks today and it tells us today when Jesus came out into that room, he said, I know what pain is all about and I know what hurt is all about. I know what it means to suffer and I know what it means to be rejected. But he said, look at me now, look at my hands and look at my feet. I am not bound by my wounds. I am not held captive by what others tried to do to me. I'm not controlled by what others tried to force me to become. But Thomas, uh, look at my hands and look at my feet. He said you can overcome because we call them scars, not wounds, because they cease to be open. Jesus did not, in my opinion, come out of the grave with wounds. I don't believe when Jesus walked into that room that day that he was still bleeding, that he was still suffering. But when he walked into that room, he had the marks of something that had happened to them, him. But it meant something. It wasn't just a, an ordinary story, but it meant that he had gone through a trauma, but that he was healed. He came out of the grave, not with wounds, but he came out with scars. And I do believe there's a difference. And the prophet Isaiah would speak of wounds. And he would begin to write in the book of Isaiah about the rebellion of the children of Israel. And they were in a, a state of sickness and despair. And he wrote and he described them. In Isaiah 1 verse 6, he said, 
from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, he did not come out of the tomb with wounds that still hurt when it was touched. He came out of the tomb, I believe, with scars, wounds that had healed. And so the impact of his story in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what we just celebrated last Sunday is not told through open wounds, not told through painful wounds, but it's told through scars. Although it's visible, Although it's easily remembered, it doesn't still have the same pain associated with the wound that it once was. Doesn't still sting when it's touched. Doesn't still burn when it's grazed. It can't be reopened. It can't be peeled back. And the scar represents closure. It says that it's over. If it's going to bleed again, it would have to be wounded again. And the scars spoke loud and clear to those disciples that he was healed. When I look at my pinky scar and I touch it and I, I, I run my hand over, it doesn't sting because it's healed. It speaks of healing. I can remember it, but it speaks of healing. And I want to preach to somebody today that Jesus Christ has come to heal some of your darkest wounds in this room today. Jeremiah the prophet would say in, Jer in Jeremiah 30, 17, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. I want to tell somebody today, it does not matter how you were wounded. It doesn't matter why it came or who it came from. We serve a creator who can heal every wound, every sickness, every disease, everything that's happened to you. He can create something out of it that while you remember it, it doesn't still have to be painful every time you come across something that reminds you of it. Oh, hallelujah. And the reason I believe Jesus' wounds that came as a result of betrayal and rejection were able to heal was that while he was still on the cross, when it was most painful and when it was almost unthinkable, he breathed out his last breath and said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And that wound that once spoke of anger and once spoke of malice and spoke of hatred and grief suddenly had the opportunity to become a story of hope and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. You may have a wound today, a place you don't want to deal with, a bad decision, a mistake, someone in authority who didn't treat you right, childhood memory of abuse, a rejection by a parent. You can't live in this world without something happening in your life. It's hard to go through life without something traumatic happening in it. But I've come to just preach to you today that it doesn't have to remain a wound and you don't have to keep trying to hide it. God can heal you of every wound in your life. 
And how do we know if it's healed? A wound is something that is painful. It still creates issues. It's painful to think about, let alone talk about. And many times that's how you know if you're healed. It's not that you won't still be sad, not that you won't still remember things and it'll bring a tear to your eye. But it means that it doesn't have to still infect and impact the people around you. That when you're healed of a wound, it doesn't have the same sting that's a one, that it once had. It doesn't still have the same power in your life that it once had. You don't shy away when you have a scar. You don't have to worry about picking up something or helping somebody. You don't worry about it. It might still be remembered, but you don't have to worry about it. And I know today that God wants to heal some people in this place. God wants to bring healing to some of your most hurtful memories. God cares about some of your most dreadful mistakes. He wants to heal your heart. But too often, our lives are just full of wounds. Wounds we try to hide. Wounds we try to get away from. And some even try to have some kind of spiritual plastic surgery. We don't want a scar. We don't ever want to remember. But can, can I tell you, that's not always God's intention. And the, the question comes, why would God want us to remember? Why would God not just want us to forget about what had happened in our life? Because I'll submit to you today very simply, your wounds cannot help others unless you can remember them. And when he heals your wound, he then wants to use your scar to tell a story, to tell a significant story, to help those around you. In the Old Testament, Joseph, that brother who faced the, the uh, pain and the, the, the angst of his brothers, they tried to kill him and ultimately they sold him as a slave. He prayed and he said to them at the end, as they came into reconciliation, he said, what the enemy meant to kill me, God wants to use for his glory. It took Joseph remembering what had happened for ultimately God's glory to be found in the story of Joseph. It would be Paul who would pray when he wanted that thorn in his flesh to go away. He prayed and he said, God, I wish that this would go away. And the scripture says three times he prayed that prayer. But God came back to him and said in verse 9 of chapter 12, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs and persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can I tell you today, grace is looking for a wound. There's grace in this room that's looking for a wound. And God's not afraid of your weakness. God's not afraid of your trouble. God's not afraid of what you've done. He's not afraid of your mistakes. He's not afraid of what they've done to you. No, his grace is still sufficient. His grace is still all powerful. Oh, hallelujah. But for many, many, unfortunately, 
the wounds in your life, they become our excuses instead of what God wants them to be. And that's your testimony. And I want to encourage somebody. Why not instead of the hurt being the reason you stop coming to church? Let the hurt become the story of the power of trusting in God in spite of your hurt. I could guarantee you today there's some people in this room who have walked through some church hurt. You've walked through some things in your life where people in the church have hurt you, but you're here and you have the scars to prove it. Don't let the hurt become your excuse. Let it be the testimony of a God who can walk you through any kind of circumstance instead of that rejection being the reason you can't trust anyone anymore. And boy, do we deal in a culture where nobody trusts anybody. But can I tell you, don't let that rejection become the reason you don't trust anyone anymore. Let the rejection become the story of how God allowed you to love the unlovable. Oh, hallelujah. Instead of the humiliation and pain become the reason for you giving up and walking away from everything you once believed in. Let it become an incredible story of the power of forgiveness and the story of a God who can make all things good. I'm telling you today, you can have Healing in your mind and in your emotions. You can have healing in your life to the point that you can remember things that have happened to you. And it doesn't have to still be painful, but it can become something that brings glory to the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's got to believe that today. Somebody believe that today. I don't care what your story is. I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care what they took. I don't care what you've lost. He can do it. We are still overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Somebody needs to let that hurt become a testimony in your life. You see, God would constantly remind his people about the works that he had done. And he said, remember, remember the works that I have done. We just celebrated Passover this past week. And Passover is not just a celebration of the future, but it was a time for them to remember that the Lord brought them out from under the hand of the oppressor. He said, I don't want you to ever forget where I've brought you from. Oh, hallelujah. He did not try to erase their memory of slavery. But he said, I want you to remember where I've brought you from. God doesn't want us to forget where he's brought us from. He doesn't want us to walk around with some spiritual amnesia where we never remember. And that's why it's so important every time you walk into the house of God and you begin to lift up praises and song, you think about where God has brought you from. Oh, hallelujah. And when we read the Bible, we all have our favorite characters in the scriptures. But the Bible was not written by omitting the sins, the struggles, and the pains of the heroes of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. But those struggles 
And those issues and their failures became the very thing that brings us faith for our future today. This book is a book full of stories of fear, of failure, of tragedy, of bad decisions, of prejudice, of hatred, all creating a backdrop for healing for those who are suffering from their own wounds. And so I declare to you today, if Abraham can make it through his uncertainty, I can make it. If Sarah can make it through her own insecurity and barrenness, I can make it. If Moses can make it through his anger and the rejection of his people, say it with me, I can make it. If the children of Israel can make it through complaining and wandering, I can make it. If Rahab can make it through her life of prostitution, I can make it. If Gideon can make it through his fear, I can make it. If Samuel can make it through the sins of others, say it with me, I can can make it. If Samson can make it through his own lust, I can make it. And if David can make it through the hatred of his brothers, the ultimate betrayal of his mentor, his own horrendous failure, and the calculated mockery of his beloved son, and the death of his children, I want you to know I can make it, and you can make it. It doesn't matter what your story is or what the enemy you as your story you can make it so I tell you today I'll keep my scars I'll keep my scars I don't want them to go anywhere I'll keep my scars tell somebody next to you I'll keep my scars so Paul would tell the early church Paul could have wiped away the sin of the early church. He could have tried to write in a way that hid the, the negativity of the early church. But he said, no, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the fornicators, the idolaters, the adulterers, nor the homosexual, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He could have said it and been done with it. But he had a little phrase. And such. And such were some of you. And such were some of us. But he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. How did he say? In the name of the Lord and the spirit of our God. Can I tell you what I think he's talking about there? He's talking about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says that even if that's your story, even if that's your pain, even if that's your wound, it doesn't have to stay that way. And such were some of you Anybody been washed? Anybody been sanctified? Anybody been justified? Oh, hallelujah. Paul said, he's brought us too far for us to forget where he's brought us from. 
And when we think about this church, this church is not just some pretty story of fancy buildings and nice carpet and good music and a great pastor. No, this story of this church is full of wounds. It's a story of those who we thought were for us only to find out they were against us. Wounds from those who we called friends only to realize they hated us. Wounds from those who we thought were spiritually minded only to realize that their hearts were tainted with the whispers of sin but yet we're still here we're still here God's grace is still sufficient and I've got the scars to prove it I've got the t-shirt to prove it oh hallelujah but here's the reality here's the reality as the story of this congregation unfolds and there is a powerful future for this congregation And as the future of this congregation unfolds, we need the stories of the past to embrace our calling for the future. We need the stories of elders who stood in the face of losing friends in the separation of their family for the gospel's sake. We need the stories of those who have been delivered by lives of immorality and perversion. We need the stories of those who have overcome tragedy and despair. We need the stories of those who have faced relational collateral and failure. We need those stories. Can I tell you, the young people in this church uh, need to know that you've walked through some troubling times. Uh, they don't. They need to think that you've always been perfect uh, like these babies. I love them. I love baby dedications. But I like to say at some point uh, they are going to have to come to the acknowledgement of their own sin because they're going to sin. And all of us in this room today come to a point where we realize that we've done some things that are not pleasing to God. And we can either hide those and keep those away or we can use those as a gift to the body of Christ to say, if I've made it through this, uh, young man, you can make it through this. How many times do people walk in a church like this and they see all the people with the nice clothes on and everybody lifting their hands and they don't know who's sitting next to them? If they only knew your story, I tell people at our church, if you only knew who the person you were sitting next to, you might not be here today. But we need those stories. We don't need you to hide it in a bunker somewhere. We don't need you to cover it up. But we need you to walk in the room and say, here's my hands and here's my feet. Here's what God's done for me. Here's the power of his resurrection in my life. Oh, hallelujah. As I come to a close today, you can stand with me, author Beverly Flanagan, in her book, Forgiving the Unforgivable. She wrote, forgiveness has nothing to do with forgetting. I think that's powerful. It's important. A wounded person cannot, indeed should not, think that a faded memory can provide an atonement for the past. To forgive, one must remember the past. Put it in perspective and move beyond it. Without remembrance, she says, no wound can be transcended. Dr. Indel Tolving, a noted psychologist, has a theory about memory that I find fascinating. 
And it's in alignment with this spiritual truth. Tolving, Tolving believes that our ability to remember our past is intricately tied to our ability to hope for the future. Tolving has done significant research that shows that those who lose their ability to remember the past also lose their ability to hope for the future. And when you and I remember what the Lord has done for us, and we we are able and willing to express gratitude for it, it gives us hope for our future. Thanksgiving is the greatest thing you can do to remember what God has done for you. Don't take it lightly when you walk in here and you begin to sing. Think about where God brought you from. Think about some of the things God's walked you through. Because when you begin to remember what God has done for you, you realize that your future is bright in God. I conclude with this story. Years ago, my dad and I stayed up very, very late, about four in the morning. We were talking about a bunch of different things, but specifically we were talking about some of our relatives and ancestors. We talked specifically about his father, my dad's father, my biological grandfather, who passed away when my dad was five years old. What we know of him was that he was most likely born in Jerusalem in the late 1800s, came over to the United States in the 1920s. We know that he had been put in federal prison in Marion, Illinois for racketeering and bootlegging, most likely alcohol during the prohibition. We know that he was involved in a lot of things that were less than honorable. My dad was telling me that he remembers that his body, my biological grandfather's body was full of scars where he'd gotten into fights. And even one time he was dumped into a pig pen and left for dead. My dad said he had deep scars on his back from a time when he was tied to a post And he was shredded with a knife because he overstepped some lines concerning women. And it was not just his body that bore the scars, but we know today that no doubt when he was alive, his mind bore the reminders of such a rough life. But today, those scars are not just stories of shame and hatred and guilt and pain. Today, those scars tell a very significant story. The story of a young Jewish man who gets out of prison. He's invited to church and carries his life full of wounds and heartache into a church. He hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and gives his, his life to him. The story is told that the man who invited him to church began to worship the Lord and began to speak in other tongues. And as he began to speak in other tongues, he began to speak in tongues in Hebrew. And my grandfather understood it. And that's how he converted to Christianity. He was baptized in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with his spirit. And then he himself with all his wounds, all his issues allowed himself to be healed. He became a preacher of the gospel. He traveled across the country. He started a few churches and he told a significant story of hope, of mercy, of grace, of forgiveness and the power of the cross. And his story that could have been just another wounded spirit, another embittered and bound person became a scar-filled story that had an impact on his generation. But I would submit had an impact on another generation, had an impact on my dad who has had people tell him about the power of the Jewish preacher in their life and one that has power in my life today. Although I never met him, his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren know his story. And even though it was so rough and so scarred, it became a story and a legacy of hope and mercy. And my question today for us is will our lives just be littered with wounds? Will it just be told through the people that have hurt us, told through the stories of the people who have done us wrong? Will it just be told through the mistakes that we've made? Or will it be told through the story of wounds that have healed? A story that brings hope and redemption that will change a family legacy. And when the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren in your life dig into your genealogy, will they find a story of hurt? Will they find a story of hope? Will they find a story of forgiveness and redemption and mercy? And so today, unequivocally, I say you can be healed of your hurt. You can be healed of the most dreadful mistakes that you've made. You may never forget it. You may never come to a moment where you stop remembering what happened to you or what you've done. But what I can promise you today is there there is a God of grace in this room who can be sufficient for every day and every weakness and every mistake. And I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to invite you to the altar this morning. And I'm believing today that if you've got a wound that you'll carry it to a loving Savior. You'll carry it to him and he'll bring healing to it. But if you have a testimony in this room, I want you to come and I want you to lift your hands to say, God, thank you for your healing in my life. I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word that gives us confidence and clarity that you are able to do beyond what we can imagine or think. Thank you, God, for the hope that's in us. Thank you, God, for the work that you've done in so many across this room. I'm praying today that if there's somebody in this room who has been trying to hide a hurt in their life, they're trying to avoid a hurt, trying to forget about something in their life, I pray today that you would bring healing and you would bring strength and you would bring hope to them. God, your reconciliation is in this room today. Those who maybe have walked away from you and don't feel like they deserve another chance, Lord, today you're inviting them. Oh, God, bring healing, Lord, in this room today. Bring wholeness into this room today. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.